Well, I come to you on this podcast a bit sad. I want to let you know that this is the final episode of the Kingdom Business Podcast. This has been a journey that I've been on for a little while to make this announcement to you today, Uh, but I want to explain why. You know, Business Greenhouse, the Kingdom Business Movement, was birthed in 2013. And and I feel like every waking moment from then until now, I have been, you know, kind of pushing and and being available and hoping and, and, and producing content and championing Kingdom entrepreneurs you know, tens of thousands of them over that time through our podcasts, through our seminars. You know, I've run seminars all over the country and beyond. You know, we did two and a half years in a caravan around those small towns. You know, we work with 200 businesses a year, pouring into them with with the knowledge and the practical training they need to build a business. And it's been a wonderful journey. You know, it's, it's the ministry the Lord had for me. It's the assignment that he's got for me. And that's not going to change. But I feel like this podcast does need a change. You know, one of the things for me that's been a journey for the last couple of months is I feel the Lord telling me that it's, I've got to lay it down. And at the same time, it's not giving me the creative outlet that I want. Um, it certainly did and has in times gone by. But just recently, you know, I love the interviews. I love the interaction. I love the feedback from you guys but I feel like it's just time to lay it down. You know, to pull a scripture, you know, in John 15 too, and and you would probably know this, it says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now this is specifically talking about, I guess, our soul and our walk with the Lord. It goes on to say, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I feel like that's really what needs to happen inside me right now, and then the podcast will reflect that in the future. I feel like there's an element where I have to be able to put this out now, to have it pruned before the Lord, but so that it bears more fruit in the future. So it's not a goodbye forever, and we'll still have all our content on socials, but this podcast in this format, it's the final episode. You know, if you're if you're a basketball fanatic, you know, or you paid any attention to culture in the '90s, then you would have known that Michael Jordan, greatest player of all time, um, he actually quit basketball in 1993 um, and said that's it. And uh, but then he came back in 1995, and he came back with a fresh perspective. He was able to because he had a two-year hiatus. He was able to look at basketball from the side, study a whole lot more of it than he was as a you know player just in it every day. And he brought such a fresh approach that he was phenomenal when he came back. Now, I'm not saying that I'm two years away. I don't know how far away this is until I reinvent the podcast and, and, and come back with something bigger and better. That'll be you know, the journey that I have to walk with the Lord. But I feel like I need that. I need to now get out of this world of just being on here all the time, putting out a show every single week, emailing everybody every week. I just need to get a fresh perspective on the lay of the land. Where's technology going? What's the message for the next 10 years? And how's it different to the message for the last 10 years? And so that's what we're going to be doing. But I don't want you to just come on here and hear sad news. I want to kind of just have a bit of a celebration. Um, I want to look at some of my highlights from the last 66 episodes 
of the Kingdom Business Podcast. Come on a journey with me and revisit some of what I think are the greatest moments. I want to kind of just quickly draw something out for you if you'll, if you'll, just, if you'll just kind of watch up here, right? I, I like to keep things incredibly simple, maybe, may, maybe over simple for you, but that's okay. Um, I kind of want to put, you know, the people that I meet in three groups. Um, you know, obviously I spend most of my time with Christians in business, but that's not all of my time. A bunch of my time is spent with, you know, people who don't profess to have a faith, whether that's staff here at, you know, Business Greenhouse or, or you know, if, if I speak in an event that's, that's not a Christian event, whatever. I, I'm meeting people across the whole spectrum, right? So let me kind of put them into, into these three groups. I'm, these are business people, right? I'm going to call them worldly right? Don't get caught up in the words. I'm just kind of making these up as I go along just as three categories. But there's these kind of worldly business people, right? You know, and these are the people that want the houses, the cars, the watches, you know, the flash, the pride, the ego, and there's nothing wrong with it in their world. That's, they're just competing in a world system that celebrates those things, all right? Um, And then there's this other group of people on the other extreme, and we'll call them kingdom entrepreneurs, right? You know, and, and, and they're very different. These guys are, they're chasing the kingdom first. They see themselves as a minister of the gospel that just happens to find themselves in the business world, right? They're, they're warfaring over everything. They're, being, they're using their wealth and, and, their, and their influence and their affluence to advance the kingdom first and, and those sort of things, right? You get that. That's, that's where we aspire to be. But actually, there's a group in the middle. And, and remember, don't get caught up in the words, but there's a group in the middle of, of, of Christians in business who we're just going to call apathy, just for the sake of a better word. Apathy. And these are the people that have got it the worst, okay? Because, you know, these are the people that they, they, they profess a Christian faith. Well, good news. That's all you have to do to go to heaven. So that's not what this is about. This is not where you end up, right? You profess a faith in Jesus, you'll go to heaven. That's it. It's the best deal in the world. This is not about that. This is about the influence that you'll have here, the journey that you'll be on, the person that you'll become, right? The impact that you'll have. If you get this right and if you get this wrong, it'll make a really big difference, right? So these are the people, right? So, so think about it this way. They're Christians in business, but they're apathetic, which now means that the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy everything in their business, their life, and their family, but they're apathetic. They're half in, half out. So now they don't fight back right? They don't use the weapons of their warfare, right? They let the enemy come and pick their patch clean and then get super frustrated, right? Because they're not prospering. It's like, yeah, okay. It's because you are half in, half out. You're going to heaven. Awesome. And I'll see you there. But between now and then, what what about, you know, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? We're supposed to enjoy this life and have impact in this life ready for the next one. And you can't do that when you are in the apathy group, right? And so here's what I'm, all I'm doing today is I'm trying to get the people that are, you know, and you get to choose. I'm not, I'm not gonna let you know where you are. You choose, you know, be totally honest with yourself. If you're in this group, I'm like, cool, let's double down. If you're in this group, I'm like, don't spend another day there. Because if you're in this group of apathy, you get to control how this plays out. You get to decide whether you're going to take it seriously and jump over to this group. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether you have a Labour government or a Liberal government, a Democrat or a Republican. You can even do this with Greens in power, right? And that's still a thing too. You can do this on a Tuesday and you can do this on a Sunday. You can do this when your business is doing $1 a year or $1 million a minute. You get to choose, okay? You can do this whether you've got seven kids and they all go to ballet or whether you've got no kids. 
you get to choose. It's totally controllable because it's a decision that you get to make that says, you know what, I'm stepping out of apathy and I'm going for the kingdom. All right, let's move on to ESG. Um, and uh, this was the real reason I wanted to have you on the show because I have a feeling that you and I will differ on this and that's good. Um, I, I wanna hear your point of view. Uh, to me, ESG is a scam that was started by Al Gore when he blackmailed us 20 years ago with his TV show, I think it was called The Inconvenient Truth or something, right? So uh, to me, it's just a scam that, like, if you follow the money, you'll meet everybody that's making billions of dollars off this off this scam of, of, of whatever. Now, that's only half of my opinion. The other part is, of course, as kingdom <laughs> entrepreneurs, you know, so before ESG came along, you know, we would talk about the triple bottom line, right? That my business has to be good for people, planet and profit, right? So that that was kind of always there as a standard. Um, and, and then ESG has become the buzzword. And, you know, I've got massive concerns about it. One, because I'm not even 100% convinced in man-made climate change, personally. Um, I can't yet find a credible person talking about it that's not making billions of dollars off their report. Um, you know, I, I also know that um, it's incredibly commercial now to do, to have an ESG report, right? Because you can't do large venture capital anymore without showing your ESG report. So basically the way that these people have created change is they've gone to the very top and restricted all capital into businesses that don't comply. And then obviously that has all the trickle down effect, right? Which is super smart if you want to create change. Then dovetail in there, the World Economic Forum, they're not doing any favours for themselves, right, every time they open their mouth. Then go one step further and go, okay, the leader in ESG today, the leader, world leader, is now the UAE, right? It's like, hang on a minute, how could you be the leader? You were, you were the worst, right, if you fully believe in climate change. Like, they were the country that produced the product that did most of the damage, right? So it's like, so it looks like a whole bunch of lies and pontificating, right, on the surface for me. And then I go to, right, coal mines are bad. Well, are they? Are they really? You know, and, and do we need to stop them overnight? Because, you know, I mean, from my research, there are 300 million Indians who are going to die from freezing because most of our clean coal goes there. So, so cool, we stop that. Australia's all happy. And then what, what do we do? Do we just not care about these people in India, right? Like, help me help me get some sort of sense out of all of that because you're a smart man who loves the Lord. So, so you must be able to bring a framework to this conversation that's different to what I'm seeing because I, of course I want people to win, right? But I don't see the point in quotas. Like why do we have to have 51% of women on a board? Why, you know, like I'm not saying we shouldn't have it. I'm saying why do we have to have, like that gets me more capital. Doesn't make sense because all we're gonna do is employ more women, get the capital, burn them, like, I just, I don't understand. So help me out, Stephen. Okay, well, I think there's, a, obviously, there's a few ways of looking at this. Okay. So uh, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with, I actually would agree with a lot of you saying. I think that, that ESG is, it can be a bit of a buzz, all right? Um, and it's very easy uh, to not be cynical in this space. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that, uh, you know, the, the director of ESG is basically a communications major. Um, okay, so they're bringing, similar to CSR, they're bringing in people who have got a comms degree to dress up um, what the company's doing and make it sound really good. Okay, so 
I would agree with you. There is, there's a lot of um, buzz around this. And I think when it comes to particularly around the targets and, and the big brother and all this is the environmental space. So it, it can be very confusing um, what to believe um, around these targets and what we're trying to achieve. Um, and, and also what's, you know, what should we be doing um, with coal, for example, um, in terms of actually reducing our you know, zero emissions and, and transitioning to a more renewable um, and sustainable energy source. So all those things for me, um, for me, the targets are important uh, in the sense that, you know, we do, I, do, I, I, I suppose I would um, beg to differ. I do think we're actually having an impact on, on, the, on the environment, but I would also say that the world itself is kind of throwing up as well at us if, if, if you know what i mean in terms of you know there are things we, we there are certainly things we can't control and i think if, as we look at this space there are lots of dynamics that we can't control and increasingly so so then it really comes down to really as a small business what it is that that you as a small business owner need to do in light of your faith convictions and what is it what does it mean i suppose on the one hand to be a, a steward of god's creation which is our original calling okay from genesis um, and then what in from, from a from a new testament post sort of in Christ perspective, what what are we being called to do to contribute to the common good? Uh, and that comes down to the, the, the triple line. Okay. So uh in the environment, I mean, that we're in, therefore, as a business, you don't uh it's more about actually your your business survival is whether or not it's true or not, I suppose, uh, and where you sit on all these understandings is kind of irrelevant if you actually want to maintain your license to business, you know, to do business in the world. So wherever you sit on these issues, um, uh, for me, if for me and I sit more in the S space, so I want to make sure that actually uh, I'm doing what I can to uh, to take care of the creation uh, which God uh, has given us, so to be a good steward of that, as well as to make sure that when in my business and in my life that I'm, I'm conscious of, the impact of my choices uh, and the decisions that I make around the products that, that I buy and what, based on whatever capacity and leverage and influence I have to actually make good decisions and be a responsible business uh, in the world. Um, beyond that, I don't think, um, I don't know if it's useful to sort of, to, to kind of thrash it, or I say rub against um the direction in which we're heading in that sense. I think the, the smartest thing to do would be to actually work out how you can, in your faith and good conscience, to actually contribute um, to that in light of actually, just regardless of what you might be skeptical of, that actually we are here to actually work towards, and from my view, to, to work towards the transformation of the world, uh, which God will actually bring about. Uh, and whatever I can do uh, that will have an impact on that uh, in terms of the planet and people and how I operate financially and legally is actually participating in that purpose. So I agree that there's no point in bucking the trend because it, we're, we're way too far down this for it to turn around, um, which is uh, a smart play if you look at, you know, the people that are pushing this agenda the strongest because they've done an amazing job of tipping culture in a very short amount of time. Um, and... Uh, I mean, like, I mean, for example, there are still people now who are posting stuff on Facebook about COVID being a conspiracy. It's like, all right, well, even if you thought that, like, 
like how long do you want how long do you want to keep pushing back against that for because it's done right like you know it's like uh, I know you're upset we get it you know but uh, you know things the Bible doesn't say if my people will share stuff on Facebook that is a conspiracy I will come and heal their land right it doesn't say that right so it's like it's like I get it it was traumatizing the COVID thing but at some point you've got to go you're not going to make any difference by sharing all the things you hate about it still. Um, and it's a little bit the same with, with ESG, right? I can hate it all I like, but, um, but I actually think in some respects it's gonna be enslaving. And this is the, I guess, the hypocrisy of it. Like, you know, I think about products, right? So, um, and I said this to James Bartle, I said, mate, any, any T-shirt that came from overseas that's $10 in a retail shop, somebody has been stitched up doing that. Like, like you can't pay everybody fairly right, you know, to buy a t-shirt for $10. You just can't, like it's obvious, right, that you're prospering at the hands of somebody else because the retailer wants five of the 10 bucks, then you've got to drive it from here to the depot, put it on a ship for 63 days, get it to the ship, buy the raw materials, pay the labor, get the factory, like it's impossible, right? There just can't be enough money in those things. So then I go to, okay, so what happens if you play this out is the cost of everything is gonna go up big time. It has to, we've got to factor a win for everybody in the supply chain. So now the cost of living, let's go to Australia, the cost of living explodes, and we end up with seven times as many people living on the street. So how, like, I guess I'm wondering, is there any conversation about, cool, this all sounds wonderful, but where does it end up? Here's where I think it ends up. I think it ends up with way more government control than we need and bringing in the likes of universal basic income and you know and those atrocities that we've tried many times in different forms over history that haven't worked. I want to talk a little bit about the Great Reset, right? You, I'm sure you get a ton of, I get what do I think about it every seven minutes, and it's really interesting because you know the phrase is you'll own nothing and be happy, which I think is really interesting because as a child of God, I own nothing and I'm happy. It's not mine anyway. It's, it's, it's so close, right, uh, and yet completely devoid um, of all things righteous. Um, obviously, you know, this, has been, this, is, this is an agenda that's not pushed by man. This is an agenda pushed by an enemy through man. Um, but it's really interesting because, you know, the people that are peddling this are old dudes who won't ever see the benefit of it, right? But the time, but if they were to ever achieve their outcome, they're dead. They're, you know, they're probably in hell, I would assume. Um, what are your thoughts on where we're going? And practically, what does it look like to, to turn the tide back to righteousness? So in their mindset, 2030 is the year of the reset. So it's not that far away in terms of them being old. It's only eight years away. Um, but if you understand a little bit about it, so the World Economic Forum, the, the Great Reset is an initiative of the WEF, obviously. And that's a very influential, really, it's a think tank, I suppose, of what started off as, and you guys probably all know about it, especially if you're WES's, you know, students uh, started by Klaus Schwab and so on. Um, but it is, um, it is a very important organisation for us to pay attention to because it's, you know, it's a big part of the UN, the United Nations, International Monetary Fund, uh, governments, big business, especially big tech. Um, big banking families are involved, uh, many powerful figures like Prince Charles, for example, 
and lots of celebrities who are actually younger folk, you know, uh, they're all, you know, climate activism is a big thing. So we've got all this thing going on. And as Wes said, there, there is this idea that you will own nothing. So in, in order for everyone to own nothing and rent everything and you'll be happy because you don't have to worry about ownership, they've got to change the whole economic understanding and the whole economic culture. And somebody obviously is going to centralise all the wealth and control who's renting what and where the rent's going. All right. But I'm sure you guys would have seen all the videos that they've released. It's no secret. They've written books on it and it's all over their website and so on. Um, the idea was to use, I think, COVID-19, the lockdowns, the government control and so on was to initiate it all and ultimately get us used to all that sort of stuff. So just be aware it's not some conspiracy theory. It's actually fact. They actually are working on it. Um, we have avenue into the World Economic Forum. When I say we, I'm talking about KI, the marketplace ministry that I run. Um, within there, you know, we've developed, because we are world leaders in applied biblical economics, and I mean that from a context of lecturing to academia, lecturing all over the world, you know, uh, even attending the, the White House to speak to the Treasurer of the United States about it at their invitation and so on. So a lot of, at, at very high level uh, influence that we have, secular unis um, and so on. So with all of that came avenue into the WEF and to other world leaders around the world. And with that, I've learned that we can get in there and change the mindsets that are going on. So if you were to ask me, what do I think and will this happen? Will the Great Reset happen? I don't think it will happen because never in human history has anybody ever been able to suppress the human spirit for any great length of time. And... And right now, the way the, the world is such that we are so interconnected, so it's so easy to have influence so quickly, I don't think they will get away with trying to implement this because they, they broadcast it too early and there's such a big movement against it already. Now, where's we're saying, well, what, what, what do we do about it and things like that? Okay, in my case, I learned to infiltrate and remediate. And I learned that when I was in the Salute Scouts. I was in two special forces units, the SAS, uh, which you all know about, whereby we fight behind enemy lines and blow up everything, cause all sorts of disruption and then take off, you know. But I was also in the Salute Scouts where we were trained to become the enemy, trained as a terrorist, and then I fought the war as a terrorist, infiltrated their ranks and fought from within. And only certain people could do that, but I was able to do that. And within that, our objective was not necessary to kill them. It was to change their hearts and minds. We called it PSYOPs. And that was the first objective, was to actually change their hearts and minds because they had been uh, abducted from the country, from Rhodesia, taken to Red China and Russia, which depending on which tribe these people came from, and indoctrinated with communism. So they came back as communists and as terrorists, and they were very, very brutal and violent and aggressive, but they were communists. We were, our job was to try to prove to them that there was a better way to come back into the Western Christian uh, economic world, capitalist uh, society. So that was what our job was. And if that didn't work, we'll obviously take them out. And we were very, very successful. 
and we we, we caught a lot of them and re-educated them, and not in the German way, but in our way, and actually, uh, um, you know, turned them back so they fought for us and alongside us. It was a most amazing thing. So doing that, I brought that into my spiritual world and my spiritual life when I became a Christian, and now doing that at, a, at the highest level and at the lowest from the ground up and from the top down. Now, the one of the reasons I built a big company and the Lord showed me this so clearly you've got to have influence okay if you're going to create a sheep nation we need to deal with the minds that are that are controlling the goat nations and we need to deal with the engine room of all communities on earth which is the small to medium enterprises okay so we do deal with the smes that's a slightly different topic but from the top down because we built a billion dollar corporation i'm able to sit with other billionaires and get into their ears without them thinking i'm here for the money I've sat with world leaders, I've sat with the Treasurer of the United States and discussed domestic policy and I've discussed all these things. And when you come to sitting with some of these leaders, some of them are really, really toxic, hated people. And they have plundered their own people into oblivion. And they have so much, so much money. I've been able to sit there and say to them, so what is it that you want? What more can you possibly have? And you know, almost all of them, very few had a different story, but almost all of them had the same thing. And it was succession planning and uh, legacy. That was what they were interested in. You know, I want to make sure that all the stuff that I've put together, which mostly I inherited, and I want to pass it on to my family, to my children. And I want the world to really love me and say, what a good guy I was. And you find that, you know, US presidents in their second term, that's what they tend to do and try to create their own legacies and so on. But at the end of the day, I was able to sit with them and say, well, you know what? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to cut the throats of your sons and daughters as soon as they get the wealth. If they're not as strong and can control the human spirit like you have, they're going to slit their throats and take all the wealth anyway. It's always happened. Look at the last 800 years of you know, modern day history. You'll find every 80 to 100 years it happens. There's a rebellion, there's a war, whatever. And you know, the legacy is they're going to hate you because you've plundered them. If you do it God's way, and I don't have to use the word God's way, if you do it this way, where you trade or you form policy with everybody, you look after them and you make sure they all prosper, they will love you and you will all make so much more. And here's the proof of concept because we've done it. And this is how we did it. And this is how we did it. This is how we did it. So we infiltrate and remediate by changing the hearts and minds. Feeling motivated, I think, is a mistake. Choosing motivation is a smart option. You can feel a whole lot of things and still choose motivation. Proverbs 13, 11 says this, Wealth gained hastily dwindles away, but whoever gains little by little will increase it. Why? Because in God's kingdom, he wants intentionally to slow things down often because he needs our character to catch up. Right. So wealth gained hastily dwindles away. We see that with people that get, you know, they go from financially from no money to a lot of money. Then their behavior and their character is not in line with the increase in finances. And then, you know, the behavior basically lets them down and they lose their money, grows wings and flies away. But whoever gains little by little will increase it. I say that to say that as we, um, you know, on the kingdom entrepreneur side of the kingdom of God, you know, we want to produce that wealth so that we can fund projects, fund our church, fund good causes, fund our assignment, those sort of things. But the journey is long. Little by little, you will increase it. Another version says, he who gathers little by little, it, the money will be blessed. So I'm saying like, you know, in terms of motivation, 
you've got to get your head around the fact that it's a really long game, right? One of the things that we can learn from the New Testament is God loves long suffering. And so, and so what you can't do is you can't have a motivational framework that just fake it till you make it and, and, and pump it up, you know, and, and kind of will it because you won't be able to sustain that for long enough. It needs to be a different approach to the way that we um, walk out being motivated 100% of the time. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. You know, self-control is, 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 you know, do you want the chocolate bar or not, right? That's, but, but, that's, but it's obviously much broader than that. It's those feelings that we were referring to, right? So, you know, if you've, if you've got broken down walls, then you, you, your city is incredibly vulnerable to attack. So, you know, in, in terms of our motivation, we need self-control, meaning that, you know, when life comes at us, or worse, if we're driven by stimulus, right, then we need to learn how to rule over it and have that self-control. We get to choose self-control over circumstance, right? And if you don't, then you're like a city with broken down walls. Self-control, meaning that we get to control ourselves based on what's taking place. I grew up in a Christian home and as a young teenager. And then as I got a little bit older, I went astray and, you know, got wild and I mean, not that bad, but this certainly wasn't serving God. And but like many of us, we have too much of God in us to be a good sinner and too much sin in us to be <laughs> a good Christian. So we're kind of in no man's land and we know it. And um, so, you know, then I met my wife and she had just become a Christian and she thought that I was a Christian. So she was interested in me mainly for that reason. But I was interested in her because she was beautiful and she was a Christian. I was like, all right. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. And um, and when we got married and then she realized, you know what, you're a fraud, man. You're not really a Christian at all. And long story short, um, God got a hold of me in our first year of marriage and just radically brought me back. And so I began to really serve him passionately. And but then what would happen was is that I would get more the more involved I would get with business. I found that my spiritual life was dwindling or waning, was weakening. Um, th something I always had to give, you know, it's just so much hours in the day you have. So, you know, I, I have to be keeping up with, and now look, by this time we're a multinational, uh, international company. We're selling automobiles in different parts of the world. We have dealerships all over the Caribbean, Puerto Rico and Brazil. Um, my dad's, you know, he's Mercedes, he's um, Suzuki and Mitsubishi, Isuzu. Then we've got tractors, JCB, John there, Bob. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. And so we've got all these manufacturers that I've got to deal with. I've got the management and employees to deal with. I've got customers to deal with. I've got to keep up with technology. I've got to keep up with sales. I've got to keep up with the business. I've got to keep up with everything. And what was always getting put on the back burner was um, my spiritual life and i would always tell my wife i would say honey it's just i'm having a hard time balancing business and god and the more that i dive into the business it seems like 
the further I get from God. And then the more I get into God and spiritually, it seems that I, I drift away from business. I can't seem to find that balance. And some people can. I mean, my dad did, my brother does, my sister does. I just could not. And um, boy, I, I just had a hard time. And um, and finally, you know, through a, a long series of years of just getting weaker and weaker and that light getting dimmer and dimmer, you know, that fire starting to go out more and more. Um, I told my wife one day, I said, honey, I, I've got to do something. I'm backslidden again. I, I'm just being honest, sweetie. Uh, my heart's cold. I am. I'm, I, I need help. And there was no media at that time. As far as internet goes, there's no Google. There was no emails. There's no internet. And, but she had heard of something called the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. And she said, it's God's moving there in his church. And let's go and visit this revival. And I said, well, what's a revival? And where is Pensacola? You know, <laughs> so it's in Florida. And long story short ways, we came to visit. Hell fought us to get here. It was um, We got here. And my gosh, God got a hold of me that first night. And, uh, man, that was in 1996, Wes. God just set me ablaze again. And, uh, boy, I have not gone back. I'm not, yeah, it's been tough at times. It's been a roller coaster at times. I've been weaker at times. And, you know, um, certainly let God down many, many times since then. But uh, it's been an amazing journey. And, um through that, you know, God then led us into the ministry full-time, which was not the plan. I said to my dad, Dad, look, could I have two years off? I, I've been touched mightily by God, and I don't want to fall back in that trap. I really need to get grounded, and I want to go through this Bible school because they were just announcing a Bible school. And... uh he said, sure. He said, of course. And he, and he blessed me. And so I went off just for two years, but that two years became three, became four. And, and now it's been, um, whatever it is, this is 2023. And it was 1996 when I left. So however many years that is now. You ever feel like you've had a word from the Lord and you go and action it. And then all of a sudden, like all hell breaks loose like this week. Has anybody, anybody got one of those stories? Literally. And then you start to question, right? But I want to tell you that actually it's by design. We're trying to live in a world that's so perfect that there's no wind, but Jesus is saying the wind is by design because it forces you to do some things and he gets the glory. But, but for some reason, like I still hear people go, oh, it's really tough at the moment. I'm questioning whether the Lord's in it. When I hear that, I'm like, if it's really tough at the moment, the Lord's probably in it. Because it's the fact that it's tough at the moment that should drive you to your knees so that you get more intimate with the Lord. And then when you get your breakthrough, you're left with no bragging rights. All you can do is raise out, go, oh, God, you're amazing. All right? That's what the journey is for. Everyone trying to shortcut it and make it easy and get the hacks. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you need to come up against the wind by design. All right? 
People tell me all the time, I don't think this is God. I'm like, well, everything I've done has been an absolute nightmare. So it's probably God. Well, that's it. There were some great moments there, and, uh, and I certainly love revisiting them and digging them out. And of course, they're on YouTube. They're here forever. You can go revisit them. You know, not only is there 66 episodes um, of the Kingdom Business podcast in the current format, there's nearly 600 videos on the channel uh, of, of what we've done over the years. And so between now and the 2.0 version of the podcast, go and use the library of videos. There's 597 of them or something that you can go to and, uh, and search. A couple of things before I sign off. One, I'm still around on socials. I'm not going anywhere. The assignment hasn't changed, right? I'll still be putting out content every day across, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, all the places that you'll find me, right? Still putting out content there all the time. Go there if you want to. <clears throat> but here's the second thing. I want to hear from you. If you've had value from the Kingdom Business Podcast at all, if it's played a part in shaping you, helping you, motivating you, training you, then I want to hear from you. I really want to hear from you. If you're watching this on YouTube, then put it in the comments for me so that I can engage with you. But if you're listening to this on, on one of the audio podcasts, then do me a favor. Find me somewhere on social and send me a message, right? I want to hear from you. And, uh, and then you'll be the first to hear about the 2.0 version when it comes. I've loved hanging out with you every single week on these podcasts. And we will do it again in a new and improved format. Love you.